0: No, that's fine. Thanks. Right, well, hallelujah. (laughs) Seven months ago, we were following a series called Connected. Some of you may remember. I have just seen someone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. David Cook is here. That is a really big surprise. How wonderful to see you, David. He was our very, very first curate here in, 19, in the mid 1960s. And Peter Holl and I came to this church in 1968, and David was already in place. And I believe I did some secretarial work for you, didn't I, all those years ago? David, thank you so much. Right. <laughs> <I'll> start again. <laughs> ago we followed a series called Connected. And today, um, a few months later, we're picking this series up again with the overall theme of Connected Hearts. And this is the introduction um, sermon today, and it's entitled Intimacy and the Living Word, Part 1. Next week, the sermons will be the Living Word, Part 2. So come back, if you can, to hear those. Now the aim of these sermons is to grow our expectation that God can, does and will speak to us through his word and that there are ways of reading scripture that will enhance our understanding and enable us to connect with God in a new way. Now when I was sharing a little bit of this with Peter, when he saw the heading, he said I don't like the word intimacy and it does perhaps harder for men to think in terms of being intimate with God. But it's about having a close relationship with the Father. God draws us to him in intimacy in order that we might see his holiness. As he drew Moses to him in the burning bush and told him to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. And he in this intimate relationship to show us his love because he loves us so much. And it's not the intimacy of being God's mate, but to bring us closer to God's holiness because his desire is to make us holy as he is holy. The Bible is powerful stuff. To most people it is just printed words on paper bound in a large book full of battles, long names, a few nice psalms and stories of Jesus. But to Christians, however, it is the living word of God. Now we are first introduced to the words of God himself in Genesis. As God speaks out a word, And behold, this world is formed in all its glory and beauty and variety. And in describing what happened in Genesis 1, three words are repeated many times. Then God said. Then God said. And his words had such a powerful effect that they resulted in the creation of light and water, plants and creatures and ultimately humankind. God's words continue to be heard throughout the story of his dealings with his people in the Old Testament. And in the new, Paul writing to Timothy, his young friend, affirms God's active involvement in the writing of Scripture. An involvement so powerful and persuasive that what is written is the infallible and authoritative word of God. So Paul encourages Timothy to faithful to the Holy Scriptures, which he has learnt from childhood from his mother and grandmother. That's a role us grandmothers nowadays can be really blessed in as we pray for our grandchildren. And he says to to Timothy that the Scriptures are able to make him wise for salvation in Christ. And he goes on to say, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, For correcting and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can read the Bible, not only knowing it's inspired by the living God, but so that we can read his very words to gain knowledge and inspiration, to receive guidance, to receive a greater understanding of who God is how his salvation plan has been worked out through the offering of his son, Jesus Christ. And that little uh, video we saw is a brilliant example of the power of God's word. And hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible, God is described as the living God. He is not dead. He's not just spoken once and that was it. He is alive today. For instance, the young boy David, as he approached Goliath, called on the living God. And the Israelites, as they received the Ten Commandments, called on God as the living God. And the writer of Psalm 42, who declares, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And Peter, who declared in Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the living whose every word creates power and blessing. And the reminder of Peter's announcement of who Jesus is leads us to the opening words of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the spoken words of the living God are personified in his Son, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, who came as a living being among us, the image of the invisible God. And Jesus came to speak God's living words into our lives today. He said in John six, "The words I have spoken to you, they are spirit, and they are life." And God's living Word, Jesus, is now living the resurrected life, seated at His Father's right hand in the heavenly realm. So Jesus speaks both through the words He said that are recorded in Scripture in the Gospels and the thoughts and feelings that he expresses to us as he brings the scriptures alive to us as we read them. And he does this through the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring the words of the living God, and the words of Jesus the Living Son, alive and meaningful and relevant to every Christian. Words which seemed empty and dead and lifeless on the page before we were Christians now come alive with new meaning and insight. And even the tiniest word can be used by God to bring blessing to us. I discovered this nineteen years ago in the first few months of widowhood after Peter Hall died, when the spirit highlighted the tiny word in. You can't get much smaller word than in, can you? It's such a seemingly insignificant word, and yet it led me to understand how enveloped I was in God's arms. I was totally in his presence, and I found that everything I to sustain me as this new role that I found myself in so unexpectedly as widow was to be found in him. Needless to say, this little word is circled many, many times in my Bible. The Bible does speak to us and is so relevant to us, and I'm sure every one of you has had those times when the Bible has leapt at you and a word or a phrase just comes alive. Three other words in the Old Testament came alive to us recently in the book of Esther. It's been a source of real prayer power for many of us, especially in our home group. The book of Esther doesn't mention God at all, and God's people, the Jews, are in serious danger of annihilation. But through the prayers and the courageous stand of Queen Esther we read three little words in chapter 9 which meant such a lot to so many of us when I shared it the reversal occurred, the reversal occurred three powerful words which the Holy Spirit brought to life and many of us as we have used that in our prayer times have seen situations literally being turned on their heads tables being turned Reversals happening when we least expected it because God is faithful. Hallelujah. So we've reminded ourselves that God's words brought creation to life and that Jesus, his son, the living word, became the living word made flesh. And the resurrected Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to bring God's written word to life in our lives here today. And from our two short readings that Peter read, we can see a couple of things that result from reading God's word today. Firstly, the blessings that come from God's word. Now this first psalm is like a gateway into the rest of the psalms. And it stresses that those who would worship God genuinely must embrace his words, his law. And the very first word is Which means favoured by God. Or how rewarding is the life of the man or woman who delights in God's law. And the law referred to in this first psalm means all of God's instruction in scripture. And the more we know of the whole scope of God's word, then the more resources we will have to enable us to be guided in our daily life and our decisions and everything we say and do. So we have here in this first psalm an image of a tree in a very, very dry climate, a desert perhaps, which nevertheless thrives because of the constant supply of water. This psalm encourages us to meditate or chew on the scriptures day and night. And if we do so, then we will be just like that tree whose roots go really deep down, and that is refreshed with the living waters, no matter what circumstances we are in. And there is tremendous reward for reading the living word of God, because our lives will bear fruit all the time, not just in one season of the year. We will be so refreshed that we won't droop or feel weary. Soaking up God's word will produce actions and attitudes that honour God himself. And this word prosperity that comes at the end of that verse doesn't mean when necessarily we will grow rich and have big cars and big houses. The Bible means that when we apply God's wisdom, his words, there will be a richness of fruit in our lives that will come as a byproduct, and we will receive God's approval and others will be blessed when we are fruitful, others will receive the blessing from that fruitfulness as well. And then our other reading from Hebrews shows us the power of God's word. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. The Bible is not simply a collection of God's thoughts and words, or a vehicle for communicating ideas. It is living. It is life-changing. It is dynamic. It works in us in a dynamic way, penetrating our personalities and transforming our minds and our hearts and our actions with the incisiveness of a surgeon's knife, God's word reveals who we are and what we are not. It penetrates the core of our moral and spiritual lives. It discerns what is within us, both good and bad. And the reason the scriptures are able to do this, the reason they are able to be so powerful, is surely because this refers to Jesus himself, who have already seen is the living one, the word of God, alive and active, whose very words are life, and who John, when he wrote of his things that he saw in Revelation, said, I saw one who looking like the Son of Man, out of whose mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. So the sword symbolizing judgment, hence Jesus through the scriptures is able to judge our thoughts and attitudes. And nothing can be hidden from God. God sees what we do and he knows what we think even if we are unaware of his presence. He is always there. And when we try to hide from him, as the psalmist did in 139, he is there and he finds us. We can have no secrets from God. Yet how comforting to know that although God knows us so thoroughly, he still loves us, and he still embraces us, and he still wants us to be with him in relationship. But because God's word is alive and active, surely it demands a response from us. It calls us to connect with God a living word to shape our lives. And when God's word comes into our lives, it always reaps a blessing. It always reaps what God intended. As he said in Isaiah 55, all of his words will accomplish what he desires and will achieve the purpose for which he sends them. Now listening to and reading God's word can sometimes be uncomfortable can sometimes be unsettling because God, through Jesus, through the word, is judging the way we think and speak and act. In the previous verses in Hebrews that um, came before the reading Peter gave, the writer reminds us that the children of Israel hardened their hearts and were disobedient and so they didn't get the chance to enter the promised land. And there was a warning there that If we turn away from God's word and don't engage with it, we too will be in danger of hardening our hearts. It might be that God has shown you something recently from his word, something that you need to work on. But the very reason that word had an impact was because Jesus, the living word of God, has made it real and effective in your lives through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians we are encouraged to read our Bibles every day. You, there's so many Bible notes available and lots of us have got apps on our phones and our tablets and computers. And joining home groups helps to read the Bible together as we build each other up in the Lord. And some find it helpful to meditate on the word and that means to speak. With it, not rushing through, reading it and actively pondering upon it. It means asking ourselves what areas do we need to change in order to live the way God wants? Knowing and thinking and meditating on God's Word are the first steps to living His life in our lives. And it may seem obvious, but if we want to follow God more closely, then surely we need to know what he says. But there is another way of reading the scriptures that can connect us with God even more closely. It's an ancient monastic tradition which is having quite a revival in these modern times, and it's called Lectio Divina, which means holy or sacred reading. It's part of our rich spiritual inheritance, which we can celebrate and enjoy today. It's a spiritual experience and a discipline that can mean encountering Jesus in a new way, and moving thereby into a deeper place with him, connecting with him. Lectio Divina means not just reading the scriptures, but praying with them. Choosing a Bible story or a psalm, taking time to read it through slowly, a couple of times, preferably out loud, Letting the words really sink in, and even using your imagination to become part of what is being described in the passage. Using your senses, perhaps taking note of what others may say or do, as you imagine yourself in the story, and above all, expecting that God will speak to you through his word. Imaginations are a gift from God. The writer R. Paul Stevens said, We cannot have faith or believe in what is unseen unless we have imagination. Imagination is the vehicle through which faith is expressed a bit uncertain about this, about using our imaginations in this way. It might seem a little bit wacky and out of kinker and not quite in the way that we would normally read the Bible. But on the other hand we can choose to use our imaginations and apply discernment to what we hear and encounter. And of course it is the Holy Spirit himself who will help us discern what is true and what is false. And of course using our imaginations in scripture may mean we hear things that maybe we don't really want to hear. If we were to imagine ourselves in the story of the two servants who owed vast amounts of money to their master and he forgave both their debts, it may mean God is reminding us of someone we need to forgive and perhaps a debt we should forget to be repaid. Still a bit doubtful about our imaginations using them to give us new insight into the living word. The test we can use or ask ourselves is Does this build me up? Does it help me grow in my faith? Does the Bible support what I imagine and visualize in my mind's eye? We've actually used this method a few times in our home group. We first listened to the passage being read out loud. Noting any word or phrase that jumped at us, that seemed relevant, just as I explained about the little word in, and the three words I mentioned earlier. And then we read the whole passage again, this time reflecting on all that we'd heard. It might be that there was a challenge there, or an invitation that struck a chord with us, or a word or phrase that met a particular need, perhaps a promise or a word of encouragement. We then had a time of silence where we thought and prayed and reflected and then we took it in turns to share aloud our thoughts and it was amazing out of about a dozen people the many different things that emerged through reading this one passage together and yet we all had something different and this is a really encouraging way of allowing God's word to take us deeper into his presence. This is the way his word can be rooted and grounded in us. Letting God use our imaginations like this helps us to see ourselves as God sees us. This is the way God's word can become powerful in our lives and the way we are blessed and made fruitful. So God has given us imaginations so that we can prayerfully place ourselves in a Bible story. For example, we could picture ourselves with the two disciples who walked on the Road. And we have a picture coming up, a painting. This is by a lady called Janet Brooks Gerloff. You can see the two disciples there but next to them is a shadowy figure. It's the two disciples walking as they thought on their own. But the shadowy figure of Jesus comes alongside them. It might be good for you to shut your eyes at this point. I'd like you to imagine yourself in that picture. Perhaps you're the disciple on the left or the disciple on the right. Or perhaps you're joining them and you're an extra person there. Imagine how you would be feeling... was you. We're talking about losing Jesus, about his death, about how upset and lost you feel. You've lost all your hopes and dreams. But in your imagination, suddenly, Jesus is walking alongside you. He's been all the time, listening to your thoughts and your words, your emptiness and your loss, but you hadn't noticed him. But now you do. You can talk to Jesus about anything that you are experiencing at this moment. Any pain and loss or joy. You can listen to his words of comfort and hope. Just be companionably silent together, knowing Jesus' presence is real and powerful. So, we're just going to pause for a moment for you to imagine yourself with those two disciples and Jesus coming alongside you, and you can tell him anything you want to in this short moment of silence. Wonder what you've been whispering to God in the silence, and I wonder what response from God you have heard this morning. So, I encourage you to take this form of spiritual discipline and begin to use it in your own quiet times as another way of connecting with the living God. So, we've reminded ourselves this morning that God can to us through his living word. We've seen how powerful his word is and how by reading it we receive many blessings and we become fruitful. So through reading, meditating and imagining, we will be meeting with the living God himself. Our lives will be enhanced and we will find ourselves connecting more and more intimately and more deeply with Jesus himself. The living word made flesh. Hallelujah. Amen.